After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. The territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the hit all the Hittites' country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it uh, to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I have, not, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Well, it is good to be together today, and I really appreciate and enjoy seeing families sitting together. Some of you, you're here from out of town or from other places, and we're thrilled, just thrilled to have you here. And what a joy to sit together as family and to recall that uh, we're family here on earth, but we want to live our lives in such a way as we're forever family in heaven as well. So did you have fun New Year's Eve? I hope you had a wonderful time. I can remember a time when uh, New Year's Eve was a real big deal to me. Last night I got woke up by the fireworks in the neighborhood at midnight. I was really appreciative for the guy in the neighborhood that allowed me to know when to cheer in the new year. But I hope that you had a, a wonderful new year and some of you enjoy that time and then celebrating it in. I can remember the day I did that too, but I hope all of us can remember the excitement of a new year and of new times. And uh, the new day in front of us and what God would have us to do and where he'd have us to be and what he'd have us to become. Those are important things. You know, my microphone is really bugging me. If you don't mind, I'm going to stick behind here for the rest of the time. If you just turn me off up here. I don't know what's going on. There we go. Anchored down. We need to remember that joy and that anticipation of what the future holds for each of us. i never forget December uh, 20th, uh, several years ago. 1989, a little boy came to live with us, Caleb, my, my oldest son. It was exciting times at our house, just a little bitty baby. I remember Brent and I trying to figure out a name for Caleb. And what, what we got to thinking about where he'd been and his previous months of life and, and how challenging they were for him. So we thought a really good name for Caleb would be Caleb. Because we figured his life wasn't always going to be easy. And there'd be some challenges and, and some new territory for him to claim. And, 
and a mountain to climb, a mountain to claim. So we named him Caleb. He loves his name. As he grew up, he loved finding it in the Bible. When he was a little bit of a boy, we have to tell the story of Joshua and Caleb almost every night. And as he'd get a new Bible as a little child, he would look up every place that the name Caleb was found in the Bible. He memorized all those spots, and he would highlight them or circle them. I, I, I fear to say if you were to find his Bible right now, you might find his name highlighted in all those spots as well. I'm not sure if that's true in his new Bible or not. But it's a special name because of the mountains we all have to claim and the mountains we all have to climb in front of us. There's always something in front of us. And I don't know where you are in your life right now. Maybe you're spying out your mountain. Or maybe you're working on it. Or maybe you're claiming it. But we all have a future in charge of us. In front of us. And we all have a charge to claim that future for Christ. So as my son Caleb got a little bit older, he, like many boys, learned to love devices. Little toys and I remember, oh, 10, 12, 15 years ago, long time ago, he loved to play with my cell phone long before they had games. You know, I had a little Nokia cell phone at the time, and he loved to piddle with it. And I remember one time trying to keep him quiet and let him have my little Nokia cell phone. He gave it back to me after a time, and it was in Flemish or some language. I have no idea. He had changed the language on my cell phone. No problem. I'll just change it back. Do you know how hard it is to change it back when the menu's all in another language? I worked on it and worked on it, powered it off, powered it on. I could not get that language back to English. So finally it occurred to me. I started looking around and I found somebody else with an identical phone to mine. So I powered both of our phones off, powered them on, and as I read in that one phone, whatever it said, I did it the other in my phone. I just walked it through and I changed it back to the correct language. Now, aren't you proud of me for figuring that out? Don't worry, it only took me two months to figure out how to get it back to the right language. Listen, this morning we're going to study a story. We're going to talk about the story of Joshua. And it's a powerful story about a man who claimed the future in front of him. And what I challenge you to do is just to lay your life down alongside Joshua. And as you think about this year and the days in front of you, Just follow that same pattern that he followed to claim his territory, to claim the promised land that God had out in front of him, and to take possession of that. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 11, at the very end of this passage, it says, Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving giving you for your own. God tells Joshua, "There's, there's good promised land in front of you, but there's a battle to get there. There's a great future in front of you, but you have to take possession of it. And the same is true for you. God has wonderful plans in store for you, but you have to take possession. You have to cross the river. And so God gives Joshua a little pep talk in these verses. And he says, you will succeed. I guarantee success if you'll do these things. One of the first principles he gives Joshua is you've got to get ready. Get ready. God has plans, and he has a plan for your life, but you have to get ready. And you need a plan for your future. Because if you're going to do what God wants you to do, you have to have a plan for life. Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. He says, you've got to get ready. You've got to be prepared for your future to take it. 
back down in verse 11, the first part, it says, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Joshua 1.11, the first half. Get ready. Get your supplies ready. You have to have a plan. Do you have a plan for your spiritual life? Do you have a plan for your career? Do you have a plan for this year and what God has in store for you? Well, as you think about what's in store for you, maybe you need to look at it kind of like Joshua did. God started this little pep talk with Joshua by saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. One of the ways you have to prepare for your future is to let go of your past. I don't know what this year has held for you. I'm sure it's been challenging in many ways. But the immediate past for Joshua had been very challenging. Have you ever stopped to think about how long Joshua had been with Moses? At this point in his life, what, Joshua would have been about 80 years old, probably? And most of that time he had spent with Moses, at least the last 40 plus years. I mean, they had developed a close relationship. Besides that, how would you like to be act two to Moses? <laughs> how would you like to follow that act? And sometimes we let past relationships hinder our success in the future. Friends move away. Things change. Relationships end. And God says, if you want to move forward in the present, you've got to let go of the past. Moses, my servant, is dead. You'll not, never possess your future as long as you're living in the past. And Moses was dead, but God was not dead. So I'd ask you, what do you need to let go of? What do you need to bury in your life so that you can go and do what God would want you to do? Won't you get ready? And then the second principle is you got to stay in the Word. It's so clear. Joshua 1, 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So you have to stay in the Word. Joshua 1, 7. Don't get sidetracked. Don't turn from the right or to the left. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to get sidetracked in life? To get off the path? Have you ever noticed how easy it is to let the trivial become the most important and to focus on that which is least? It breaks my heart to see people get out, start out great, and then get sidetracked, whether it's in their career or in their sports or in hobbies or in financial difficulties. Illness sometimes sidetracks us or marriage. And we lose our focus on the Word. This happens a lot of time in those of us who are really trying to develop our careers. We get so focused on our job and, and we, we say, well, I want to make good money to support my family. And I want to, you know, advance myself so I can be a blessing and all these other things. And those are good things to do. Those are right words to say. But we allow that pursuit of a career to focus us, to take us off the track of being what God wants us to be as the father and as a Christian. I've seen retirement do it to folks. Our illness, it sidetracks us. Some of you are going to get sidetracked this year. Why? Because you focus on things that are not focused on God. And a lot of times it's relationships. Many of you know I spent many years as a campus minister. And, and in those years, one of the things I enjoyed was watching couples come together. In fact, in my office, I have pictures of 
of some of the some couples that are here today. I have Craig and Laura Williamson's picture of the wedding ceremony I did for them in my office, and, and Dustin and Amy Risley. And I have some of those photos. I, I used to ask them, I don't want you to pay me to do your wedding. Just give me a picture of it. I quit saying that. I'll take the pay now. But th- th- that, that day, it was kind of... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But, you know, you, you think of it, and I love watching kids come into relationship with each other, but watching them come and go in relationships, I wrote something my girls now just hate me, hearing me talk about, Risley's Rules for Relationship. So I, I just made all these observations. You've heard me talk about them before. But one of the observations I made about relationships is that a healthy relationship augments all other relationships, and an unhealthy one diminishes them. How many times did you see a, a guy or a girl get in a relationship and all of a sudden, they start losing their friends and never hanging out with them. The only thing they do is talk about this person. They lose all their interest in their hobbies or their grades. or It's just all focused on this person. And that's an unhealthy relationship. A healthy relationship, as you grow closer to this person, it augments. It, it increases your relationship with your parents. It, it brings your relationship with your friends into a new level. You, you understand what I'm talking about. And what the world loves to get us to do to us is to get us to engage in areas that take our focus off of what God wants us to be. And if right now your relationship with God is not as healthy as it should be because of your career or because of relationships you have with others, you are in an unhealthy situation. You are sidetracked. Instead, you need to have a healthy career in which God is magnified and glorified. That's what God wants for us in our lives. And it is possible. But one of the reasons we get sidetracked is we don't spend time in God's Word. We don't stay in His Word, Joshua 1, 7. Or in the next verse, verse 8, He repeats the promise. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The promise is repeated twice in two verses, verses 7 and 8. God's promise of success has nothing to do with your ability. God's promise of success has to do with your commitment to His Word and spending time in His Word. So how do I spend time in the Word of God? First of all, I I don't let it depart from my mouth. In other words, I talk about it. It's in my language. When you're at work, when you're at school, you, you talk about it. One of the reasons I love, I love having a Bible reading that starts in the morning, a daily Bible reading or quiet time in the morning, is it gives you conversation starters. As you walk through the day, you recall what you just read from God's Word. You have to talk about it. It has to be on your lips. Even Jesus the Christ, when tempted by Satan in the wilderness, the first thing out of his mouth was words of God. It is written. The second thing you need to do is is think about it. Meditate on it. Think about the Word of God. Let it dwell in your hearts. Memorize Scripture and passages. And then obey it. Live it. Do what it says in your life. What does it mean to stay in the Word of God? You have to talk about it. You have to think about it. And you have to obey it. You have to live it in your life. And if you do those things, you'll be prosperous. Why? Because it's the power of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's the power of the Word of God, and we need to spend time in it. Spurgeon is quoted as saying, A Bible that is used so much that it is coming apart is usually owned by a person who is not. 
We need to spend time in God's Word. You think Joshua was a busy man? <laughs> he had a nation to lead, lead and countries to conquer. And yet he met, made time to read the Word and to pray. He was a man of communion with God. And so how are you doing? Now, this is a big deal for us here at Edmond. We try to put an emphasis on spending time in God's Word every year. Last year, we emphasized reading the Word of God. And we set as a goal for us as a church family to read six million verses. We called it Counting Verses and Changing Lives. It was all about the changing lives. But we had to get God's Word into our hearts. We had to read it. And at current count, we've read 6,333,000 plus verses. And I know many of you have turned in verses today. And if you wrapped up last night, like I talked to a gentleman at first service who who finished up his readings and finished up reading the Bible through for him the first time he'd ever done it in his life. He wrapped it up last night. Well, turn in those verses out in for you. We want to see how much further over we go than our goal. But it's all about changing lives. Well, it wasn't just about 2011. It's true for 2012 as well. So I, want you to, I know that you plan on, on staying in God's Word. I want to encourage you to do so as well. So we've made some little guides. You can find them on the table out in the foyer. It's just a blended reading guide like you're very familiar with that you can mark off on one page. Where you, I encourage you to spend some time in the morning and in the evening. There's a morning and evening passage listed there. You can take that and follow along. It's been observed that the text is very small. I'm sure we can convince the ladies in the office to do a monthly one like we did last year, that the text is a little bit larger, that you can read it as well. I'd also encourage you to, to maybe download an app on your phone or your smartphone or your iPhone or, or iPad or your Kindle or something. There's so many of them out there. And don't just think this is for young people. I mean, I got a text from my dad yesterday from his iPhone. I mean, it's not just young people using these. Every time I walk in, my mom's surrounded by her iPad or her Kindle. And so maybe you want to download an app. I went out and looked at several. There's so many good ones out there. One good one is a Blue Letter Bible. You can search that. And if you download it onto your, your iPhone or your iPad, after you install it, there's a little place. Just go down there where you can select up in the far left-hand corner. You click on it, and you, you can set the Bible favorite Bible translation you want to use. And then down below it, there's a spot that you can pick a daily Bible reading plan. Now, many of you already do this. You have other Bibles already on your, your iPhone, your iPad, your smartphone. But what a wonderful way to follow along. And this little reading, like we're going to be following, there's a similar one on Blue Letter Bible as well, or whatever app that you use. But spend time daily in God's Word. It is getting so easy to spend time in God's Word that it's very difficult for us to do so. Go to the effort. Set up a plan. Spend time in God's Word. And then there comes a time where we have to step out in faith. We have to do something. Faith is an action. And it's hard to act when you've been waiting. I'm telling you, it was hard for the children of Israel to step across the Jordan. Because they had been wandering so long. And the longer you've been wandering, the longer you've been away, the harder it is to step out in faith. I know there are many here today that believe in Jesus, but that is not enough. <laughs> Even Satan believes in Jesus. We have to act upon that, and faith means a commitment. And over and over in this text, we're told to be strong and courageous. Three times, verse 6, Joshua 1, 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. And again in verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. 
For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And the children of Israel have been wandering for 40 years. <laughs> and you can understand how they would have been terrified. And how they would have been discouraged. And here they are about to cross the river. Knowing that once they do, it is an act of aggression and they go to war. Against seven countries that are larger than they are and more trained. For all they are are a bunch of ex-slaves children. It's easy to become discouraged. And yet they had the courage to move ahead. Joshua says, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. What they are to be is strong and courageous. Not discouraged or terrified. That word terrified could also be uh, sometimes translated as afraid or fear. You know what fear does in us? Fear causes us never to start, to never step out. Some of us are very afraid. We're terrified. What that would mean if we stepped out and followed Jesus. And discouragement tries to get us off the path. It keeps us from continuing. Fear keeps us in the desert when we could be in the promised land. But we need to have the courage to step forward. And courage is not the absence of fear, it's, but it's moving ahead in spite of our fear. If there was no fear, we would need no courage. And so the time comes to step out. And for the children of Israel, it was springtime. The river was in flood stage. Normally the Jordan River is about 100 feet across and 20 feet deep, which would have been a terrible challenge for an army of our day to cross, much less the children of Israel. And yet it was their time to step out. Just a bunch of slaves. And to what seemed to be an impossibility. Joshua chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. While the water flowing down to the salt sea was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. They stepped out in faith, and the priests stood in the middle of the river. They showed that extended faith. And the first step is always the hardest. You remember the last time Noah, I mean Moses just parted the seas and they stepped through. This time they had to get their feet wet. And that first step is always the hardest. So what's your Jordan? What's God calling to you to this year? What's the barrier that's keeping you from God's promise? What's keeping you in the desert? What I most admire about Joshua is that he was a man of conviction his entire life. Willing to stand alone in what was right. Willing to do the unexpected. You know, we've been emphasizing Bible reading, and we've talked about it now, what, almost every week for the last month or so. A little Bible trivia for you. I'm going to read you some names and see if you can figure out uh, who, who these people are. And uh, you don't have to yell it out, but maybe you'll whisper it to the person sitting next to you when you, when you get this trivia. Shamua. Shaphat, Igel, Palti, you figured them out yet? 
Gadiel, Gadai, Amiel, little trivia here, Sether, Nabi, Guel, you got it yet? Caleb, Joshua. Nobody remembers those who said it couldn't be done. You know, there's another verse that shows the character of Joshua. This one comes near the end of his story. Joshua 24, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The future begins with a conviction and a commitment. In Joshua 3, 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself. Get ready. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And we need to dedicate ourselves and surrender ourselves to God and get ready for something big. The past is over, so get ready. God has something in store for each of us. And let's claim that promise. And for some of you, it's about time you stepped into the waters of baptism. You've been listening to God's Word. And I challenge you to consider that. Today, or in the days ahead, this year, and possess your future. Romans ten seventeen says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing and the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. You've heard that message, so will you not believe? Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. In fact, it's our charge. We're to go to all the world and preach the good news, Mark 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so won't you believe and change your way of living and admit that you were living the wrong way, life of sin, and repent and change, just like Peter talked about in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or in Acts 17.30, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. What that means is that we then confess Him Lord of our life. Not me, not this world, not anyone else. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus promises in Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. And so won't you take advantage of right now to put to death that old person and to become that new creation we read about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Won't you take advantage of this time to be baptized and be clothed with Christ? Galatians 3.27. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. If you have a spiritual need, I challenge you, won't you come? Take that step right now as together we stand and sing.